0: clarity about the gospel, an apostle called by God alone, and Paul wishes false teachers would cut off their personal bits. Welcome to the book of Galatians. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. Welcome, like, subscribe, comments, we are in the New Testament today, and it is going to be so much
1: fun. Oh yeah, we're in the when the Pauline epistles, uh, or letters of Paul, if you speak like a normal person, I guess. Yeah, um, sure, sure. This this one's a good one. This is a good one. Yeah, it gets really spicy. Uh, I like spicy. Yeah.
0: According to that intro, it's definitely very spicy. Oh, it is, it is, and
1: that's not an exaggeration at all. No, nope. in fact, you put it much nicer than he does. So. I think so.
0: Yeah, I wish more pastors today would um, insert illustrations like that into their sermons.
1: <laughs> Maybe I don't. I just, that, I just wonder if so, anyone's like reading for the first time and being like, "Wait, did he just say? <laughs> yeah. Does that mean the same thing back then as it does? Yeah, no, yeah. it does. Yeah, it um, does. what is the
0: it? Is it actual word in the ESV? Uh, um, yeah, emasculate uh, or something? Em, emasculate yeah. themselves. Yeah, emasculate. yeah,
1: so yeah, we'll get there. But um, yeah, we are in the Apolline Epistles. So this book was written by Paul. Makes sense. So. This is one of his uh, undisputed letters. Again, we believe in the narrative of Scripture, so if the Scripture says it was written by Paul, we believe it was written by Paul. So we're not really tricky on that. But some people will, you know. I think it's just like a bunch of people in seminaries, like professors, who need something to do. And so they just like question things that no one ever questions. If I
0: was going to go into some theological field of study, I I would not choose textual criticism. Yeah, I feel no. like you could
1: just BS a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You know, I feel like you could. But anyway, um, but no, Paul wrote this one. It was written to, as the title indicates, the church at Galatia. Galatia, really? yeah. Weird. I know.
0: It's like all the letters kind of are like it's that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very crazy. It's like when we address a letter today, we like, we title it who we're writing it to, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they couldn't. I mean, because like, there's first, second, third John, first, second Peter, but like, Paul wrote too many. It would have been like first Paul. Ninth Paul. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. There have been too many. Yeah, fair. So Galatia is in the southern part of Turkey. Paul was there in Acts 13 to 14. So um, that's kind of the region that he's in. And, uh, and so he's writing this letter to these churches or church that he planted.
0: I like turkey. They have good sandwiches there. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: I like turkey sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: All right, where where are we at? Here? I have no idea. Oh, 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 when was it written? When was it? Uh, I, yes, when was yeah, this yeah, wonderful yeah, thank letter? Thank you written? for. I'm so glad <laughs> you asked. Um, we don't. I mean, we don't know what the high degree of certainty, but it seems like it was written early, probably before the Jerusalem Council that happens in Acts chapter 15. So um, that's when they did kind of make a clear decision on the inclusion of Gentiles in the covenant people. Obviously, yeah. God had made the decision, but the church is trying to affirm what they see God doing. Mm-hmm. So this is probably late. 40s ad yeah so i mean not very long you think that jesus died you know mid 30s yeah Yeah, or or early 30s then this is a this is an early writing yeah so
0: very cool so why was this wonderful letter written
1: well this one has a clear purpose there's clearly um an issue in the churches The Judaizers are coming in. We saw this in Acts, right? This is very familiar. But these Judaizers are coming in, these people that say you have to obey the law of Moses to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. You have to become Jewish, essentially, to be a Christian. So you have Mm -hmm. to undergo circumcision and all these things. So... Circumcision is like one of those acts that's kind of the key act because it's a symbol of being in the covenant people, um, in the ethnic covenant people of Israel yeah,
0: from, the old, from the old covenant in the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. So, but
1: it's it's probably you can think of it as kind of like shorthand for following the law generally. So Interesting. Clearly, clearly they're yeah. they're asking for observance of the law. Right. Yeah. And that's one part of it. The one picture of it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense actually because it seems like, you know, just for the examples of the text in Galatians, he's Paul's always just talking about circumcision, but he also refers to the law in general. So I never really thought about it as being more than just circumcision. But yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So so that so he's trying to combat that and he comes out very, very strong. He's not happy. Yeah. He's he's using tell, fighting yeah. words. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. For sure. Awesome. What's the theme of this wonderful letter?
1: Justification by faith alone
0: faith alone. Yes, yes. Martin Luther yes. Loved,
1: loved this book, as do we, as do we, because of the yes. scripture. Um, but yes, justification by faith alone, so we'll kind of get into those words a little bit to remind you of that when they come up, but uh, but that's that's the theme. Awesome. So, I, love the,
0: I really love the Old Testament, going through it, and even the narrative of the Gospels and of Acts, but it's, I think, really fun for our camp to start to get into like this more like high theology, you know, yeah. doctrinal stuff. It's pretty fun.
1: Yeah, just straight theology. Yep. Okay. And application. Yeah, so it's pretty
0: fun. Um, what's the outline of this book? How's it structured?
1: Yeah, pretty simple. So chapters one and two is Paul's gospel. So he's going to talk about his own experience, how he received the gospel, and what it consists of. Love the gospel. And then chapters three and four, we'll talk about faith versus works. Mm-hmm. So we'll look see Abraham as kind of a ma- major example, and we'll also see Sarah and Hagar as this sort of allegory, and then chapters five and six, the works of the Spirit. So That's what what are you going to do now that you have been transformed? How you have should you live? How does the Spirit work in the life of God's people?
0: Helps us to obey the law, I guess. Or yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, hey, well, let's get into the book itself. Chapter one, the gospel is awesome.
1: Yeah. Chapter two. All right, so Paul's gospel, <laughs> chapters one and two. So. <laughs> Verse 1, this kind of sets the tone, right? Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So he's starting off by saying, making a clear statement, and he'll argue this through the rest of the chapter, that his gospel is straight from God. Yeah. He didn't get this from man. He wasn't trained by men. He didn't receive it from the apostles. He was an apostle by the direct action of God yeah. on that Damascus road. Power move. Yeah, it really is. So he's he's coming out strong, and he skips the Thanksgiving section. Mm-hmm. This is the only book where he doesn't have a Thanksgiving section. Yeah. So you know, time where he'd say, "Oh, I'm so thankful for you. I love you." Like even the Corinthians who mm-hmm. were totally jacked up and really upset, Paul, even them, he's like, "Oh, I thank God for you. You're great, <laughs> but you're terrible. But you're I love you." You know, here none of that. <laughs> so he's not. He's clearly not happy. Right. He's not. He's not doing well. Like this is very serious to him. Um, Really beyond anything else that that people have been tampering with the gospel, right? Yeah, so he opens up talking about how authentic his gospel is Mm -hmm. right that it came straight from God He didn't consult the other apostles Uh, He argues this at length. Mm -hmm. So verse 6 you can see kind of the problem He just dives right into it verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel So different gospel. That's very important. So he's he's saying not only are you getting some things wrong, not only is your theology off, you're actually by this error embracing a totally different gospel. Right. And then he clarifies not that there is another one, right. but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So you're bending the true gospel for no gospel.
0: Yeah, I th- I think it's super insightful for our culture today and Christianity today. Like where there are so many things, whether it's social justice or whatever hot topic is going throughout the land, replacing the basic gospel, the yeah. one true gospel of Christ. You know, so I think yeah. it's reminded that there is one gospel. There's not a bunch of different ones that Christians can just pick and choose. There's one gospel that we follow as Christians.
1: And we have to be so clear on that. Like, what is the gospel? There are things that are implications of the gospel right. that are not the gospel. Correct. Yeah. So does the gospel bring together? different ethnicities in peace and harmony. Yes, we'll see that in Ephesians at length. Mm-hmm. But is that the gospel? Mm-hmm. Is I mean, yeah. that's a very important distinction. Um, the gospel is the historic events in the life of Christ, and it primarily applies to justification in the life of the believer. Right. And the implications of that justification are numerous mm-hmm. and beautiful and wonderful, and we should really expound them. Right. But when you replace that core, then you actually destroy the gospel. Yeah. So even this, like, does does the gospel mean you obey God's God's word? Of course, mm-hmm. or that, that's an implication of the gospel. But is that the gospel? Yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, is obedience the gospel? No, 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 right. no. That's a big deal. So he says, he verse eight, he states this about as strongly as he possibly could. Mm-hmm. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Yep. That's the word anathema. It's, it's be damned essentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he says it again, as we said said before. So I now I say again: If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Hmm. So this he's saying: It doesn't matter who gives it to you; you never walk away from the gospel that saved you yeah. to to a bunch of works to I, empty
0: I love how even def, de, even though he starts off by saying, "I've been called by God; I've been given this gospel; I've shared it with you." It's the most important thing you need to believe. But even if I come to you with something different, like let me be a curse too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's so, not excluding himself from that. Yeah. So that's, that's um, yeah, just a great reminder for for yeah us today.
1: Yeah. And I've known a lot of people who have come to faith under somebody, like through someone's ministry, and that person has walked away, right? Has, uh, has yeah. mm-hmm. abandoned the faith entirely or said, you know, oh, did God actually say this or that and yeah. change the gospel or change the message of scripture? And so it doesn't matter what that person, is as important as they might have been in in your spiritual walk, even bringing you to faith, it doesn't matter how important they were. If they abandon that truth, you do not follow them. The Word of God is more certain than the the opinions of man.
0: Yeah, 100%. Cool.
1: So verse 11, he goes into some kind of autobiographical details about his own experience and how he was called Mm -hmm. into the ministry of the gospel. And so he, again, affirms it was not man's gospel, and he talks about how um you know he essentially he's like i'm not a second class apostle he recounts his past persecution mm-hmm. his sort of his testimony here right he church, he persecuted the church of god um, but verse 15 but when he who had set me apart before i was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me so he he's again acknowledging God's predestination. Yep. I mean, if you're Paul, I don't know how you could deny that because God <laughs> literally chased you down like it was yeah. not your choice at all. Yeah, like God said, you're gonna do this. You have a you have a mission. I'm gonna tell you what to do. Wait for your orders. Yeah. So he knows that this is he's been called and set apart for this, just like the prophet Jeremiah. Yeah. I mean, just like every one of us.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Every person. Yeah. Every, every person ever who's been saved. Right. Yeah. I, just, I love Paul's story though. It's just so vivid. Right. And we ever talked about it in Acts and stuff, but yeah, man, it's someone like him. It makes sense why his theology comes out this way.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it was for a reason too, right? In order that verse sixteen, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Mm, yeah. But he says, so. He, so he, this is the purpose, right? I have to <clears throat> preach the gospel. But he goes into detail of I, I didn't immediately go and, and talk to this person or that person, mm-hmm. but I actually retreated. I went away, and three. It was three years later according to chapter one that he met with peter right obviously in verse 18 it says cephas but that's peter and then you know so he had he did have some meetings initial meetings and then chapter 2 verse 1 says it was 14 years later that he he went to jerusalem Hmm. and in verse 2 he talks about how he confirmed that gospel with the other apostles yeah Right? right so so it's not that he is a rogue but he's saying i received this directly from god and then I also received approval from the other apostles. Right. So I'm I check all the boxes, mm-hmm. and and this is you know important for to understand. So he's trying to kind of like in Second Corinthians, right? Give his accolades mm-hmm. and why he should be respected. Right. And it's not about his own you know him puffing himself up. It's about he knows that everything hinges on this gospel going right. out. Yeah. It's about the gospel, yeah. and so he wants to protect that. Yeah. So look look at verse seven of chapter two. On the contrary, he says, when they, that being the apostles and those who were leaders and influential in the church, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, mm-hmm. um, then they gave me the right hand of fellowship, verse 9. So, um, so he's saying, essentially, we agreed to a division of labor, right? Peter was going to go to the Jews i was going to go to the gentiles that's how we were going to split it up so we each have a clear mission all right and so he's accepted he's brought in he's you know given the stamp of approval by them but there was some conflict here so peter in his in his ministry began to do things that were off base mm-hmm. right peter was actually disassociating from gentile believers right yeah because of those of the circumcision party those who are judaizers were pressuring <laughs> him to mm-hmm. you know not not yeah, engage yeah. Yeah. you know it's essentially to say uh, i i want to you know if i fear this group and so i don't want to offend and, and, and associate with this group and so P- paul actually confronts him right i mean verse 11 is very strong he says when cephas came to antioch i opposed him to his face because he stood condemned mhm And he talks about how, right, that the verse 13, the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them. But, verse 14, when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to Mm -hmm. live like Jews? (laughs) So he he confronts it. He says, this is not in line with the gospel. It's not in line with how you're living. Like, you know that this is wrong. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Paul has a lot of authority to speak, right? He's I mean, It's kinda unfair. Poor Peter, like he's always gets a bad rap, right? Like he denied Jesus and now he's getting confronted by Peter or by Paul. I mean, I, I feel for Peter, but but this is important to understand that Paul is saying that this this is uh, possible that this affects even someone like Peter, even someone like Barnabas mm-hmm. that he mentions here. And so you've got to be really, really careful to clarify what the gospel message is.
0: Yeah, and the, and the authority that Paul is pressing on Peter and the Judaizers and just the whole le- and the whole letter is not about him being better than other people. It's about the gospel being greater than all of them.
1: Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, we just need that in our own ministries. So, yeah. yeah, so
1: then he gets to the key, the key verse, really, which is verse 16. He says, "Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we also background. have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is his message in this book. Right. That's the key key to it of uh, everything here. So justification. Just to remind you justification speaks to the act in salvation right salvation ex- extends to our past deeds our present reality our sanctification becoming more like christ and our future glorification right right so it extends to all of that justification is specifically the act of being declared righteous right so romans we discussed this at length obviously but it's being declared righteous by god so it refers to a legal status mm-hmm. so what happens in the work of christ is that he takes our sin on himself to forgive us of our sins, to redeem us from mm-hmm. the curse of the law, but then he also imputes to us his righteousness. Hey, he us his righteousness so yeah. we stand in a sense, uh, we're not righteous morally speaking, Like not like practically, currently, like am I righteous in everything I do? No. But the status that we have, the legal status we have in the courtroom of God, is one of righteous. right And righteous with the righteousness of Christ.
0: And that's the good news because we wouldn't stand righteous by any amount of work that we could do. Yeah. No.
1: So what do I deserve legally speaking, because of that status, well, yeah. I deserve Guilty. all the? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I deserve guilt, but I'm saying because of that new legal status, I deserve in a legal sense, everything that Christ right not because I've earned it but because that status is now given to me so that's what's gonna be guaranteed to me so it's a pretty incredible thing and he's saying how do you receive that justification how do you receive that righteous status Mm -hmm. well it's not by works of the law it's not by doing the things laid out in the mosaic law and so we can't go back to that pattern instead it's by faith Mm -hmm. faith being a an agreement Right? There's kind of three factors in faith, an agreement of certain truths. Right? Oh, I, I understand that Jesus is God. A belief in that, right? That, oh, Jesus died for my sin. I believe in that. And then also a trusting in that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you you, trusting, uh, yeah. you agree, you assent to it in a sense, and then you also tr- put your trust in it, saying I'm going to now give my burdens to him mm-hmm. and trust in him for forgiveness. Like, right. Just like we we trust in the chair we're sitting in by putting our weight on it. Mm. So faith means you put your weight on on God. So that's that's how we're justified. Right. So this is a very key verse, and he's going to kind of unpack this through the rest of the the letter. Mm, yeah. But but don't miss that underline that highlight that it's such an important verse. Mm-hmm. So let's get into chapter three a little bit. Okay. So he's he's pointing this out again, right? He's saying you know that you received the Spirit by faith. So why are you going back to trying to right. do works. Why are you mixing this up? And he uses the example of Abraham. Abraham's going to be kind of his example in this chapter. So he says, "Does he, verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's Genesis 15, mm-hmm. right? Genesis 15, 6, I believe. Um, so he's using the example of Abraham and how Abraham was made righteous, justified by faith, right? So it was counted to him as being credited to your account. So right. it's the same, and just justice and righteousness are the same word in Greek, mm-hmm. right? So he was counted as righteous. He was, he was justified <laughs> by his faith. Now, what Paul will argue here is Abraham was before the law, right. Right? hundreds of years before the law, So, and he was justified by faith. So he's not making up some new reality to say we're justified by faith. He's saying he's this goes back reality. to, yeah. yeah, this goes yeah. back to before the law was given. Right. And, and so it's not about entrance into the covenant. It's actually even before circumcision was given because that happens in Genesis chapter 17 mm-hmm. to Abraham. Yeah. So this precedes any of those things. Right. And so what he's saying is that there's a an older and a, and a, a deeper law that everything else has been placed on top of. Mm-hmm. And that that, the law to Israel was given to a people for a certain time, for a certain purpose, but it was never meant to justify you, to make you righteous fully before God.
0: Yeah, exactly. The faith and righteousness comes from God alone.
1: Yeah, exactly. So he goes into talking about, you know, if you rely on works, you're going to be cursed, right? Mm -hmm. So he he says, you're going to be cursed, right? Verse 10, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Mm -hmm. Yep. He says, now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. So he's saying the law can only give you curse because you can never fully obey it. But, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So he quotes from Deuteronomy 20 or 21. I think it's 20, verse 21. Okay. Yeah, you can you can probably read the, the footnote there and correct me, um, but De- Deuteronomy twenty one twenty three. No. Okay, not even close. Not yeah. even <laughs> wow, so embarrassing. Deuteronomy twenty one. Right, so that that the the law brings cursed, and you're cursed if you hang on a tree. That was the picture in Deuteronomy. Right. So a, a cursed man is one who is hung up. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is hung up in the same way to take the curse mm-hmm. on himself, just like in Deuteronomy law. Right. That cursed man would you have to bury him because the curse is on him. Mm -hmm. And Jesus takes our curse and he's buried and it's put away forever. Yeah, exactly. So that's how curse is dealt with. So don't go back to the law that only gives you curse because Mm -hmm. you're going to fail to to obey it perfectly. Right. Instead, trust in Jesus that he's taking the curse for you. Hmm. So he goes into a little bit more in verses 15 to 18, talking about how the promises to Abraham were before the Mosaic Law, like we just talked about. But then he asks the question in verse 19, well, why then even have the law? Mm-hmm. If, if, if it was always justification by faith alone, why, why the law? It just mixes everything up. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gives two different pictures. So he says, um, verse 22, the law, the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Christ, Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So it imprisons everything, meaning it shows us the fullness of the reality of sin, mm-hmm. the, the law plays an important role in bringing out just how bad of a condition we're in, right. just how desperate we are, and also verse twenty-four, the law was a guardian. Um, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. So it's to guide us to Jesus. Right. It's to teach us. It's to be our tutor until we get to the the new covenant, right? Right. And then he and then he ends by by saying in this chapter of verse twenty-eight. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Yeah. So the law played an important role to teach us, and negative, and yeah, like, yeah. To, to positively help us, but to teach us like we can't do it on our own, yeah. to show us that we're under curse. But ultimately, he's saying the new reality is that we're all one in Christ. Mm. Now, of course, don't use this verse... <clears throat> As some sort Boy, of universal acid on, on, the, on the rest of scripture. <laughs> okay. okay. Do not take this verse and say, well, it says there's, either, there's neither male nor female. Therefore, <laughs> I, I can do there. whatever I want, right? Let's just like every scripture talks about how males and females should act, let's just cross it out.
0: Or that there literally is no difference between male and female. Yeah, let's just be <laughs>
1: transgender and let's just whatever. Um, there's just weird things people do, like bizarre things people do with this text. What it's speaking to is not our function in life and not our function in the church. It's speaking to salvation. Mm-hmm. And that's so much more important, okay? Yeah. So this is speaking to you, are saved, regardless of who you are, status, gender, all those things, you're saved in the exact same way. Right. Yeah. So let's rejoice in that. Yeah, amen. Chapter 4, we'll just skim over this, but he says, you know, don't go back to slavery. And he uses this example because you could easily say, well, okay, if the, the law is not not that, you know, important for us, then let's do whatever we want. But he's saying, no, you have to be free, right? Mm-hmm. Chapter 5 will go into this even more, but stay free, don't become a slave. And he uses this allegory of Hagar and Sarah as a picture of the two different covenants, right? Hagar being Mount Sinai, the slave woman, and then Sarah as being the free woman the new covenant. And so he says, you are children of the of the, the free woman. Right. Don't act like slaves.
0: How dare God predestine things like that.
1: <laughs> wow. Exactly. And so he says, chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Yeah. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Very similar to his argument in the book of Romans. I was
0: just, just going to say the same thing. You get a lot of the same idea of law and faith in and, and, and Romans as well.
1: Yeah, you died to the law, you know, like don't why go back to it or why you know you you died to sin why go back into sin yeah so so here he kind of brings this out and he even you know our favorite verse in the in the, the book of course verse 12 right i wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves there you go uh, yes. so what he's with the idea there is he's saying people are saying you have to add circumcision to faith in jesus in order to be a christian right so and so he's on, like yeah if you're going to cut off that much just cut off the rest <laughs> it is <laughs> This is God's holy word. This is true and good and pure. So.
0: But I love how strong Paul is about, like, that's his example of what you should do when you get the gospel wrong. <laughs> like, you're getting it yeah. all wrong. Do something horrible to yourself. Because, yeah. So. It's better it's better than this. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So now, if you wouldn't say this to someone, maybe you're not really sanctified. Just saying. Love Just saying. it. Love it. Um, <laughs> no, no. We have to obviously be, be very wise. He was wise to, as well, so... But then he says right verse 16 but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh and he says the flesh and the spirit are at war with each other to keep you paralyzed to keep you from doing the things you want to do and so he's saying life in the spirit right it means freedom right that you should have these fruit of the spirit you should live in a certain way and so we see the famous fruit of the spirit here in galatians 5 as well so he gets he gets so nice and warm and fuzzy after talking so mean, yeah.
0: right? That's great. He's given us the answer on how we can actually uh, live by the law. How we can yeah. actually attempt to you know climb that 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 wall of righteousness. You know, it's in this life anyway. The spirit God's given us a spirit. Yeah, yeah. it's not even something we've done. It's something God's given us. You know. Yeah,
1: you're not saved so. by faith and then ju- and then sanctified by your works. Right. Obviously, we're working hard. Paul's clear about that, and he's making it clear here. You have to work hard, but he's saying even that is the work of God's Spirit in you. Mm -hmm. Chapters 5 and 6 really bring that out in a clear way. So he ends here with some encouragement to to bear each other's burdens. Uh, I really do love Galatians 6, 1 and 2, right? If you're caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear... One another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. So he's he's encouraging them to work hard, not just individually, mm-hmm. right, and to strive in the power of the Spirit to be sanctified. But he's saying also do that for each other. Right, you mm-hmm. have to you have to carry each other at times. You have to carry each other's burdens. Um, but he says, verse five, each one will have to bear his own load. So at the end of the day, right, you do have to stand before God on your own. But we we have this time where we work together we strive together we encourage each other we exhort each other yeah. and we play this important role into those lives so yeah.
0: we don't grow wary of doing good verse nine we that's right yeah
1: that's a great one yeah and then, of course he talks about the, the sowing and reaping principle mm-hmm. in verses seven and eight great memory verse as well yeah but he ends with right just kind of a a final you know f- few words he sends them off but verses 14 and 15 are, i think are really helpful right but he says but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Hmm. So he's kind of summing up his whole purpose here, right? I can't boast. It's not about what I do. It's -hmm. about what God has done for me and how he has changed my identity. I've been crucified uh, to the world. The world's been crucified to me, right? And so he he says in verse 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation, Hmm. So that's really the final word, right? That it's it's not, it doesn't depend upon our works, upon, upon these outward symbols, any of that stuff, but about God's work in us, making us a new creation. Yeah, amen. So just important as we we close this book, I mean, just don't ever be mistaken that, in thinking that anything can add to your salvation. Christ's work is infinitely valuable. It's complete. And so we depend on that and on that alone. Yeah, That's how we're justified, by trusting in him that he makes us righteous.
0: Yeah, amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel. We'll see you next week.